Uh, hello, we're recording on Thursday, April 22nd, 2021 at about 9.50 p.m. We've just received news that Terrence Clark has passed away in a car crash. Chaz, me, and the rest of the Ball Talk team all want to send our thoughts, prayers, and deepest condolences to Terrence's family and loved ones. This is absolutely horrible, and no one should have to go through this. Our, our prayers are up for BJ Boston, too, who witnessed this horrible tragedy. We pray he can get through having this. We pray he can get through this emotionally, and we hope so. Hope that he he wasn't hurt, as though those details haven't been confirmed yet. Uh, we have an interview with my friend Simeon Kirkland lined up after this. We filmed it a few days ago, and you know we hope you guys still enjoy it. Um, we might put something up after this interview, but I'm not sure yet. And yeah, thank you. It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk podcast. I'm your host, John Sock. It is currently Monday, April 19th. 2021, 2.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. You know who it is. Today, we're lucky to have my good friend and recent commit to the University of New Orleans, Simeon Kirkland. Sim, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming. I've, I've been wanting to get you on forever, if for no other reason than to have the tallest podcast ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Between me and Sim, Sim at 6'10", me at 6'9", Chaz at 6'1". This is, uh, I feel like this might be a record. We might have to call up Guinness or something. <laughs> See who KG's gotten on. <laughs> uh, for, uh, for all the listeners, so Sim, Sim and I go way back. We did our year, uh, we both did a post-grad year together at IMG Academy. Sim was uh, the starting center on the national varsity team, post-grad team. He definitely never dunked on me, not once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, super, super athlete, super baller, like, and super great guy. So it's just, it's awesome you. to get you on, Sim. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all for real. Appreciate hey, so we want we want to start off talking about your high school career a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you've actually you've had like, you've kind of been really lucky. You played with so many like star-studded like the top level programs. You started your high school career at Little Rock Academy. Yeah. Uh, which I will always remember as Derek Fisher's alma mater. <laughs> never, no matter what, I will never forget that. But I remember we met at IMG. You were there for, for a visit. I was there for a camp. Yeah. You were telling me you had a few divi- offers to go to Division One, but instead of going right. to D1, you did the post-grad year at IMG. You started on every single game. You were on overtime every single day. <laughs> Dunk it on everybody. All kinds of flashy dunks, flashy blocks, yeah. the whole nine yards. Yeah. What went into your decision to do the post grad year at IMG Academy? Um, going to um, oh, I, w- I wanted to say um, my senior year I was at the Rock Academy, not the Rock. Rock my bad. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the Rock. Um, and um, I mean, just you know, going going from that school, I was that's the school I, uh, I graduated from, and my 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 grades wasn't really up to par as I wanted them to be. And I didn't want to go to the, I didn't want to go to school and go through summer school and all that all that kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and not and not being able to commit somewhere and not be able to go to the school because you know my grades wasn't where they wanted to, where they had to be. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided to go JUCO, and it wasn't a bad decision, you know. JUCO JUCO got a lot out of me. They, you know, they they taught me a lot at JUCO. 
it was a good decision for me, honestly. I love Juco. It was great. So, so I want to talk um, – hold up. Uh, so I, I feel like for the for you, uh, I want to start with the IMG, then, then I want to do a little more on the Juco. I feel like you were someone that really benefited from your year at IMG, not just as a basketball player, but, but for life. I mean, like, literally just the other day you were hanging out with someone – with, with some people we met there. You were still in group chats with people. You're still tight with everyone. Yeah, I, yeah. I want you to talk to us a little bit about that experience at IMG. Oh, how I went to IMG? Oh, my bad, yeah. my bad. No, you're good. <laughs> Don't even worry. No, oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my bad, yo, my bad. Um, yeah, man, yeah. So when I, when I was graduating from The Rock on um, my senior year, um, I had I had a couple, I had like a couple, couple of D1s that wanted me, um, but, John Mahoney, you, you remember John Mahoney, yeah, you remember John. Of course, um, I, still John, get, I still get texts every Monday morning. <laughs> you, oh, you still get the text every Monday morning? <laughs> I answer every time, man, come on, that's how I get out of bed. I, I got early class on Monday, John hey. Mahoney's the only reason I get out of bed, I'm telling you. <laughs> hey, every morning, every Monday morning he texts us. Hey, every, this, this morning he texted us, you got this morning? Of course I did, of course I did. <laughs> Dude, I, yeah, I have a tenant. It's the only way I get out of bed. I'm telling you. It's, I wake up every morning. I read that text. I'm like, okay, it's time to start my week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. He um, he, so he he called my dad. Um, I guess him, my dad, a relationship before before I went to IMG. They had a relationship a little bit, and um, he called my dad. He was like, yeah, man. You know, we heard um, Sin, Sin just graduated. Does he have any school looking at him? He was one D one. Like, what's the word? My dad was like, man, we you know we just looking at some stuff right now. Um, we think about going post grad. He was like, okay, good, you know, because I think he was coaching the postgrad at that time, so it just worked out. And 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 then once I heard Ant was going there, you know, they, we were going to have a pretty good squad. I just went ahead and committed when I had to work IMG. Mm, that's big. So for you, for you, a big pull factor was being able to play with that elite level of uh, of talent around you. Yeah, yeah, for a fact, for a fact, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean that that still is just the single craziest uh, collection of talent I've ever seen. I, yeah. I still talk about it all the time. Just, I mean. <laughs> I think we had what, like ten guys go D one from that team. Yeah, like between like the entire starting five, and and the first guy, first guy off the bench, Kyle right. Ryan, Omer yeah. could have Omer could have he's playing pro right Tommaso. now. Tommaso. So many more guys. Tomaso he was Tomaso D one or D two. He went um I think D two, but he was good though. He, he was good though. He could have if yeah. he was a starter, he could have gone D one somewhere. There's yeah, so yeah. much talent up and down, up and down the roster. So many players that went to college. So many people that you got to challenge yourself with. With, yeah. I think we even forgot some people. So if any of any of if any of the old IMG boys are listening Let's, right now, we forgot Let's, to shout you Let's. out. Uh, big apologies. <laughs> big apologies on that. It's too many of us. Too many of you guys actually did stuff. I only went D three. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You had this insane collection of talent. How do you think that pushed you? Was that something? Was that something that like you think really helped you help your game having that level of push, or was it more like you could have gotten that push from anywhere? Um, no, nah, definitely, yeah, definitely, it helped me in my um, basketball career. Just playing against those guys and practice every day, you know. Um, me and Laz, I don't know if you remember Laz. The Laz of course, dude. I remember Laz, dude. I love Laz. <laughs> yeah, me and Laz, me and Laz going at it every day, man. Just playing against, you know. Having, having, the, if I had to switch, you know, switch on Ant, switch on EA, trying to figure out how to guard them, you know, like just stuff like that, man, just making us a better, better players. It was, it was a great experience. The IMG was a great experience. I would, I would never give it up for that. And I know your post game got a lot better from having to work with me every day. You know, that I'm taking a lot of credit <laughs> for that. 
Anytime I see you post post up videos, I, I mean to be like, yeah, that's, that's me. I taught I, I taught him that. <laughs> um, oh yeah, man, so, it was great. So we talked a lot about a lot about your growth as a player, but I, I also feel I, I want to talk to you about like the actual social experience that you had there because I feel like you've made some life lifelong friends there, not just on the basketball team. You were one of those guys who was just chill with everybody. Everybody loved Sim, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about like like how it was for you as an actual person. Because I know for some yeah. people the IMG experience. It we had Josh Ozabor on a couple a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he talked about just how hard it is to have to work that much every mm-hmm. single day. Mm-hmm. But you seemed. I mean, you were always in the best of spirits, always smiling, <laughs> always always having a time, always in your bag. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. How, yeah. how did that? How did that work for you, like as a person? Yeah, man. I, you know, I just try and take you know the way I am as the as a person already, and just take it wherever I go. You know, just you know. And if people don't like it, they don't like it. You know. So I just try and go somewhere, have fun, but also you know work, get better at what I'm doing. You know, mm-hmm. just have fun with it. You know, IMG was it was it was a worldwide program. So you know, I met like people from like you know Australia, like Israel. <laughs> You know, you from Canada, like, you know, I would never think, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would meet these kind of people. So I just took advantage of it, bro. Just took advantage of it, worked, and have fun with it. You know? Yeah, I mean, you it. clearly had a great time with it. I, I, I do not think, I do not, I don't think I've ever seen you frown ever, especially not, <laughs> I, I may, maybe you actually you know what? There was a few times in practice where Mahoney was really on you, yeah, but <laughs> off the court, I've never seen this man frown once, no matter how rough it is. The, the hurricanes, the anything. Yeah. No, Sim, yeah. Sim was always there with a smile. It was actually, it was, it was, it, it was inspiring at times, honestly. <laughs> After your year at IMG, playing with all the amazing talent we've ran through, you decided to go to Florida Southwestern State College, FSW, an absolute, for, for the listeners, an absolute powerhouse Juco. Always yeah. one of the, the absolute best, always. You went there with our IMG teammate, DeLazarus Keys. You, you mentioned him <laughs> earlier. Again, you had some D1 offers, but you ultimately spurred them to go to JUCO. Talk us through that decision. What what was it like to have all the to, to you know hear all the D1, D1 schools and just be like, no, like I need I need more time. Right, right. Um, you know, leaving, going, um, going from IMG to JUCO, it was it was crazy. It was a, it was actually stressful. You know, I, I wanted to go D1, but you know, I just I just wasn't ready yet. You know, and I had to find the right JUCO to go to. Mm-hmm. So you know, once I found out about FSW. Um, they were just up and coming. I think they were like on like their third year, going into like the third year, like just building up. So it was it was a good situation going there and trying to start something new and just you know make the best out of it. Mm-hmm. I remember you actually we actually had played them during your, our uh, our post grad year, and you went <laughs> off that game. I I, I yeah. still watch that yeah. highlight tape every now and then. <laughs> you were hitting threes. You were hitting everything. You were like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna be the best player on the planet today. <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous. So yeah. I, I, it was. I was like, yeah, I'm not. Su-. When you went there, I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. He did torch you guys. Right. Like, <laughs> it was like when Will yeah, got recruited great. by that one NAIA school, he dropped forty on. It was the same thing for me. Like, I was like, wow, Sim, yeah. <laughs> Just go embarrass this school. They're going to let you in. I, I, I want you to talk to us about your experience at JUCO because I love to give the listeners something that they don't know about. And everyone's just watched Last Chance U. I want, I'm going to address that in a little bit, but I want to start with just your experience. Tell us about how it was like for you two years at this at FSW State College. Like How, how was it for you both from a basketball perspective and, again, like a personal perspective for, for Sim the person? How was it? 
Um, from a basketball perspective, it was it was it was great, man. Because we also had good talent. We had transfers coming in. We had we had good players. You know, everybody on the team go D one every year. So it's like <laughs> the competition is crazy. You know, and and and, and everybody everybody's trying to make it out. So you know, you you playing against guys in, in practice who who's hungry just like you is. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, the basketball perspective was crazy. It was great. School perspective was good. You know, it's four miles is a good city, so it's a lot of things to do out there, you know? <laughs> you got the beach, you got, you know, the women, of course, you know, so it's a good environment, man. You know, it was it was a great experience for me. Great experience. That's great. That's, that's great. If you could go back, would you do it all again? I'll do it all again for a fact. I'll do it all again. I love to hear that. You told us beforehand you'd watch. You've watched the new, the new Last Chance You, the basketball right. Last Chance You. Mm-hmm. How much of that do you think was just like played up for the cameras, and how much of that was legit? As someone who say, has participated in the JUCO, yeah, <laughs> I definitely say about twenty-five percent was for the cameras. Seventy-five percent was probably legit for a fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were there any moments that you thought that you watched, and you're like, "This is this is this is some camera stuff." Yeah, yeah. For, you know, when the coach is going crazy, like loses his mind, I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, come on, bro. Like, like, it, was, it was times. It was it was times. I mean, you know, it was times when my horny would go crazy, but not like that. Like, no, no. <laughs> it, was just, it was just crazy, man. It was just crazy. And then the players, you know, they over dramatic. I just felt like it was a little sometimes a little too much for the camera. But, mm-hmm. but the JUCO life in, on National Jew was definitely, you know, 100. Yeah. percent That's exactly. That's definitely how it is. Definitely how it is. That's. I mean, hey, I, I, as someone who wasn't, who didn't go JUCO, who didn't get to watch that, I, I, it's nice to know, you know. Right. It's nice right. to know about that stuff. Right, right, right. So you finished your two years at FSW. Mm-hmm. You did one year at UAB, not the best fit for you. You joined the, you right. joined the biggest transfer class in the history of the transfer <laughs> portal, which that's just got to be stressful. <laughs> got to put that out there. Yeah. Thankfully, you found a school. You ultimately decided yeah. to continue your education and your athletic career. At the University of New Orleans. Yes, First, sir. congratulations. Woo! Appreciate it. Appreciate yep. it. Bro. Appreciate it. Second, Appreciate it. what went into the decision for you? Why? Why is University of New Orleans? Why did University of New Orleans decide to be the next stop? I remember I was texting you a little bit when you were deciding, mm-hmm. but I, I want the whole breakdown right here for everyone. So uh, I'm gonna start from the beginning. Um, when I first, this is when I first committed. No, not committed. When I first went to uh, FSW, my JUCO year. My first mm-hmm. FSW, they were um they was talking to me about the whole year, my first year, and then my second year they were still talking to me, um, still on me about like uh, what you doing at JUCO, what you wanna where you wanna go, stuff like that. You know, they, they was just they was just always there talking to me on my side, you know, just figuring out what I'm gonna do. And then once I transferred to UAB, they were still talking to me the whole you know, trying to figure out like how's it going, like how you been, like just you know, just keeping in contact with me. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it wasn't you know, it wasn't going it wasn't going as planned, you know, and they knew that. So, you know, once once I entered the portal it was it was pretty much a no brainer for me. Like I knew I knew if, if as soon as I entered the portal, they called me. Coach Burke and Coach Sess called me immediately. We talked about it, and it was a no brainer. I knew exactly where I was going right when I entered the portal. It was easy for me because they was you know they was definitely jump. So mm-hmm. I know you know I know they believe in me. You know I can go there. I want to win too. So they just got, they just came off a winning season. So you know everything just came planned out the way I wanted to plan out at the end of the day. So. That's so big. It's definitely important to be with a coach that trusts you. That's something I, I, I've learned and I've seen time and time again, and especially for someone like you. Who I, I mean, I've seen – I feel like you've definitely played with more NBA players than I have, but I, I've played with a surprising <laughs> amount of NBA players. Yeah, someone yeah. with as thin a basketball resume as mine. 
<laughs> I there's no reason you shouldn't be in the league right now. But that's that's a whole discussion. That's a discussion I'm gonna have with scouts and at the end of the next year and next year. Yeah, appreciate you. But you're gonna you're you're basic you're basically what the NBA needs right now. Super athletic center can switch out on the switch on the outside. Mm-hmm. And New Orleans, you think you're gonna have a lot of chances to show that off? Yeah, yeah, for a fact, man. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna. Try, I'm just gonna try and make the best out of it. Like I'm just trying, you know, go there, work, work on my mm-hmm. game. Um, anything that any, if I can open up a new, a new box, a new, a new area of my game, I'm opening it up. You know, try and get mm-hmm. better at that. You know, and do all that while winning. I just want to go there and win and get better. Honestly, go there and win and get better and just you know take the ones to the next level. Just do whatever I can. That's the main goal. And, and so, what are your own personal goals for the of, of growth for the next few years? What What are your plans? You've got another. You got two more years of eligibility. How, how do you want to see yourself grow? Whether Whether on well, the court, off the court, whatever, wherever you, where do you see yourself well, growing? Uh, honestly, I just see myself growing from a focus standpoint, more of a focus in the um. In a work standpoint, just you know, being able to uh, stay focused on the task at hand, you know, just being able to not not to not to change the route, not being able to switch over and do something else, just stay focused on whatever whatever I got going on, whatever I'm doing, you know, uh, you know, and just just stay focused on school basketball and just you know stay with that. That's 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 what's going to take me to the next level, you know. So mm-hmm. stay focused on that and just try and get better at that as a person. All around. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned school a bunch, and I, I've talked to I've talked to a lot of Division One players. I've talked I've talked to lots of Division One players, lots of ones who are going to go pro, who are going to go low level, high level. You even see it at the Division Three level. Honestly, they don't care about school. You've mentioned school a few times already. I'll, I'll, what does school like? It, how important is school to you? And like you know. T- t- Tell us, like, what are you majoring in? Is it something that you find interesting? Like, let us know. Like, <laughs> yeah, to, you know, to be honest, I wasn't a big school person um, when I was coming, when I was going to IMG. You know, I wasn't a big school person. I, I'll be honest. I, I don't think there's a lot of athletes that's, you know, that we just don't care about school. You know, we just trying to hoop. You know, that's just, yeah, I feel like, I feel like that's worldwide. Like, I was like that. And I, you know, sometimes I feel like I am. But I'm still like that, but I'm trying to get better at it. I'm trying to, you know, trying mm-hmm. to more my focus towards that because I feel like once once I got that out of the way, I can focus more on basketball. You know, that's why mm-hmm. I'm trying. You know, I'm trying to work ahead in school now. You know, just do my work ahead of time and you know mm-hmm. just work. You know, because at the end of the day, as you go to school, at the end of the day, you definitely gonna need school. So. Yeah, basketball not gonna last you past past maybe 40, 45. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Carter, exactly. maybe. James Carter, longevity. <laughs> you stay in the league till you're 50. You yeah. bet, so. <laughs> so, so what are you what are you studying in then? Uh, communications. Communication. Oh, nice. Mm. That's yeah. a good one. I, I wanted to do communications, but my school does not offer that. Mm. Oh, right. That's interesting. Hey, yeah. That's good. If you, ever, if you ever want to come get a guest spot on the podcast or something, get your communications practice in. Let, let me know. I got you. Yeah. I got you. You'll be an internship, you know. <laughs> So I'll write you a letter of recommendation. <laughs> yeah, I'll feel I'll feel in that that box down there right there, that open box down there. I'll feel, <laughs> I'll feel that. I'll feel that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but all right, bit, bit, pivoting back. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. say, you. you just got to to New Orleans. You're starting off this year. You spoke a lot. You're trying to just come out and be the best you on the floor. 
what's going into the work this off season? You have any new trainers, anything new that you're doing differently that you haven't done in, in summers before to really come out and be the best uh, version of yourself on the floor next season? Uh, yeah, you know, um, really it's just, it's, it's me perfecting my craft that I'm already good at, just perfecting that and then trying to add on more things. So like my post work mm -hmm. is perfecting that and then trying to add on like, you know, my shot, my jumper, my conditioning, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And just try to add on to that. Because, you know, at this same age, you know, the bigs, the bigs can't only be post players. You know, you got to be able to, you know, stretch out a little bit, move the mm -hmm. ball, be able to handle the ball, just be more, like, versatile. Yeah. So I'm, try I'm trying to be better with that and just work on that mostly. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't want to do this right now, but we're going to do it. In a lot of ways, for anyone listening, Simeon's game really reminds me of, like, a really, really, really athletic version of Daniel Tice. And uh, <laughs> Daniel Tice is already the best player on the Chicago Bulls. Now that's exactly what he's Yeah, he's going crazy. He's someone going crazy. someone trapped this guy. Um, <laughs> so so what, what would you say is, like, your define? What, what would you say are some of your defining skills? When you say you want to get better at the stuff you're good at, what, what are those skills that you're like, this is something I built my game on? I would say, for me... Um, post is definitely my um my go-to. You know, if I want to get a bucket, I'm going straight to the post. You know? mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like once I perfect that, I wanna you know I wanna not perfect it, but I'm still I'm still working on it. Mm -hmm. But I wanna I wanna uh, work on that, my condition, and of course be able to run up. So I'm I feel like I'm already good at athlete. I just need to be able to just do it all mm -hmm. the time. Run, run up, just work on that. Um, I touch around the rim. Um, mm -hmm. uh, my jumper, of course. You know, mm -hmm. stuff, just stuff like that for me to elevate my game, you know, um, take it to the next level because, you know, it's it's hard, it, it's hard, you know, just to be good at one thing and be able to make it to the league. But you got to be good at a bunch of things. You know, you got to be mm -hmm. good at it. You know, we're good yeah. at it. You know, I'm just trying to do that, trying to be that be that next that next good player, man. Just trying to, mm -hmm. you know. 100%. Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect. I forgot to mention it before. I wanted to just talk about the, you said you had two years at FSW while y'all were like a, a top 10, top five Juco in the country. Can you just speak on the grind and, and what it's like? You, I know you said before we started, it's kind of like a D1 facility. So just tell people sort of what the Juco life, if they don't even believe that it's as as good or as equivalent as a division one program, tell them, tell them why they wrong. Cause it's a real grind out there. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I would I would tell you yeah you just gotta embrace the grind bro that's the, that's the best thing to say honestly you embrace the grind you get mm -hmm. the best out of it um, you do all those things you buy into it and you can only honestly you can only get better honestly because it's like mm. it's JUCO man you, either you cut out for it or you not you know you know how JUCO is JUCO is is, is hard you got to be able to you got because nobody wants to go JUCO honestly nobody you know <laughs> it's it's like it's 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 not even like you know. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just that those two years where you, you feel like you could always have back. But for me, it was like, I, I need to go Juco, and it was it was big for me. You just got to embrace the grind, man. Embrace the mm -hmm. grind and just get better, honestly. And just get better. Mm -hmm. so, Sim, you've played with more Division One players than I can count, and we tried to <laughs> at one point in this. Month. We tried to. You, you've played with at least a few NBA players, especially with – Eric Ayala declaring for the draft and program favorite and your close friend Darius Days declaring for the draft. Yeah, yeah. What is something that you think differentiates a Division One level level player from someone who can go to the NBA and be an NBA level player? I think the difference is um, definitely the worth the the work ethic and. Um, your focus, honestly, like how, 
how how focused are you? How determined are you to to, to keep working and keep working on your craft once you get into the league? You know, it's a lot of it's a lot of D one players who know who think they can get into the league, who think yo I'm I'm, ready, I'm league ready. But once they get there, what they gonna do? You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's I think it's that's that's what separates. You know, that's what made Ants a good NBA player right now because he works, bro. He works, you know, he puts the work mm-hmm. in. He didn't stop working. You know, Ant was always in the gym when we was at IMG. You know, mm-hmm. so. It's just, I think that's what separates, you know, the good players, the good D1 players from the NBA players, you know, just being able to do it all the time, being able to work all the time, you know, working their craft. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Do you think you could talk to us a little bit about your friendship with Darius? You guys have been close for years now. I think you guys, yeah. you guys were at the Rocks together, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You teammate. guys go way back. Tell us yeah. about that. When did you guys meet? How long have you guys been, been so close for? Uh, it's crazy because um, my junior, my junior year, my the summer of my junior year at AAU, um, uh, I met him in the circuit, hmm. just walking around. Man, I just met him. I just watched him play. He was, I was walking around. I met him. I was like, "Yo, what's up, bro? You go to the rock, right?" He was like, "Yeah, I go to the rock." I was like, "Yeah, I'm about to go there next year." He was like, "All right, bet." So we kind of just met in that, in, in, in that, in that arena. Ever since then, man, once I got to the rock, man, he was. We just alike, you know, he crazy just like me. So it's just, <laughs> <laughs> so it just, it just clicked. Like, we just clicked immediately. Like, that's mm-hmm. my guy. We've been locking ever since. So, you know, mm. that's not really my guy. Yeah. yeah. You two are still probably two of the most positive people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I love it. And Brady, whenever I see you two in the same room, I'm like, oh, man, you could feel the positivity. It was yeah. impossible to, be, to, to frown. <laughs> impossible to be down around you two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really he's he's a work that did too, man. So you yeah. you surround people, you surround yourself with people like that, man. You can only get better. You mm-hmm. know? So, so, yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. And so he's he's gearing up for the NBA draft right now. Right, ha- right. Have you been able to work with him since since that? I know like COVID has kind of ruined everything right. and made it hard to like get with to like work with people. So it's kind of like kind of stuff. But have you been able to be a part of his declaring journey at all in any way? Uh, not lately. I feel, I feel like the last time I worked out with Darius, um, cause Kobe hit last year, right? Last year in the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, it was, I think it was the summer before that we worked out together. My going into my sophomore year, Juco. I mean, yeah. My sophomore year, Juco, we worked out together. I seen him like, he came down, he came to Ocala. We, um, mm-hmm. we got some work in, you know, he we went to the gym, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, that was the last time I seen him, but we always talk, you know, we always keep in touch. It's kind of hard cause he was at LSU, I was in Florida, so, you know, it's kind of hard, you know. To meet up, link up, and do something, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it's always love there. I'm, I'm gonna try and see him um, before he leave and go to the draft and try and see him. So. Mm-hmm. You yeah. got anything to say to him now? Because he was at LSU, you just got to you you in New Orleans. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Now, as yeah. soon as you get there, he already gonna go up and leave. It's like you ain't want to stay one more year, bro. Like <laughs> you sure you guys are real friends like that? <laughs> yeah, he, I, I, he wanted me. He wanted me to. He wanted me to go there last year. He wanted me to go to last year. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Yes, but, That's so um, fun. <laughs> it's cool though. It's cool. It's cool. I'm gonna see him. I'm definitely gonna see him around. You know, he we, we both from Florida, so I'm definitely gonna see him around. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say the fact that you didn't know when the pandemic started started is proof that you're from Florida. <laughs> I had a little chopping up about that before. Yeah, 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 yeah. People down here don't know what the COVID don't know what COVID is, man. <laughs> don't know what COVID is. Man. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Um, <laughs> you did one year at UAB. Were you tight what? with with La Miracle? Were you guys close? Oh uh, yeah, me yeah. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. You said that, man. I didn't even once I once I committed to the uh, UAB, I didn't even know La Miracle went there. I I, I seen her like what like on 
elevator. It was crazy. I seen her on the elevator, um, going up, like moving in. I seen her moving day. We was going up the elevator. I'm like, America? She's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, what you doing out here? She's like, I go here. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this. she was at, she was on the postgrad team. Yeah. I was gonna yeah, say, yeah. she was, yeah. she was giving people buckets when we were on the postgrad team. Yeah. IMG. <laughs> yeah, she was a beast. She was a beast. That was yeah, yeah. Man. and it was just, it was just crazy. Yeah, I didn't even know she committed there. I didn't even know. Didn't yeah, even know. Now she's yeah. going to, she's going to Jackson State next year with, um, right. remember Lauren, the football trainer? Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Lauren, yeah, that's right. yeah. Mm. I thought you'd like that one. I thought you'd like that one. I had to... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, Lauren, Lauren. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah, me, Lauren, yeah, we all go way. You, John, though, John, John. Yeah, hey, me, me, and Lauren go way back. I still text her every now and then. I still send her love every now and then. Oh yeah, she's cool people. She definitely cool people. Yeah, she's she definitely cool. Yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah, cool. cool. I also text. I still text Ben every now and then. Ben too. I ain't talked to Ben in a minute. Ben the trainer. I love him. Love him. I ain't talked to Ben in a minute. I talked to Monica today because Monica works in New Orleans now. So I'm gonna. I was see gonna Monica. say, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm gonna see Monica soon. Um, she's gonna be in my game soon. That'll be fun. That'll oh, be that's cool. nice. Tell yeah. her I say. Tell her I say. Hey, tell her I say. Tell her I say. Every, I hope everything's going well with her. Yeah, yeah. You, I'll, I'll send her. I'll send her this. The link to this. To this oh no way. <laughs> Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yes, sir. Who who else are you tight with from the old days? Like I, I mean, I saw I saw you with Selma the other day. I saw yeah. I, I saw like I, what's it called? You said you're still talking. Like who are you still tight with? Like um, pretty much every yo me me and Tommaso and man got a, me Tommaso and man Tyree got a group chat, so we talk all the time through oh, that. That's sick. Um, me uh and uh Jaden Jalen um everybody yo I last me and last still talk. I should talk to everybody. I should talk to you. I should talk to everybody. <laughs> It's all love, you know me, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, it's all love, bro. Like, that's it's true. like, bro, you hit me up, I'm gonna talk to you, bro. Like, it's whatever, like, it don't matter. So, that's yeah, that's great. I, I try to be the same way, but people just don't want to talk to me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know who I was talking to the other day? I was talking to Omer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's down playing pro in Israel. I'm like, I'm looking at going going down to say what's up to him. So. Yeah, Omer. Yeah, he told me he was going to do that, man. Omer's nice, man. People don't know how nice Omer is. Omer is nice. Oh, oh yeah. Omer. Omer. Whenever I try to explain to people how good Omer, our IMG yeah. team was, I point at Omer and I say, "This guy couldn't get a D one offer, and right. he's better than every D one point guard I played with." Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, for real. Yeah. I have played. I have played scores of D one. Like, like I, I'm like this kid. This there's no reason that Omer should not be D one. Like that is right. every time right. I want to explain how good that team was, I point right at Omer. Yeah. And and we forget about Ray. Ray had a Ray had a clip. Ray was Ray you know, would Ray could six, shoot. Seven. Oh my six seven Ray, with a clip, bro. Ray could shoot. Ray, bro, that's tough. During yeah. summer during summer summer workouts, Ray gave me nightmares. I was like, I need to wake up tomorrow <laughs> and guard this guy. Like, how do I? I was I literally was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not I'm not fast enough to like get out on the outside. I can't like, and I was injured. I couldn't slide yeah. my feet. Right. I was like, yeah. I cannot do anything. It tur- turned out it's because I couldn't slide my feet because my knee was wrecked. But you know, <laughs> we figured that out later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, he had yeah. that one. Well, he had that one crazy overtime mix, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray, yeah, no, Ray was good. But I'm telling you, man, we had some good players, man. Like mm. he was just crazy. Like it was just I, crazy. Absolutely crazy. crazy. Shout out to shout out Coach Mahoney for getting us all together on that. Like, right. That's right. like that get that cool. many to get that many people to buy in is is yeah. insane. Like we like what Kyle Kyle went D one and he wasn't even on the national team every day. Right. Like, right. That's it was crazy. just such a collection of talent. Like the fact right. that like, you got, we kept it all together was 
absolutely amazing. Nuts, nuts, crazy, crazy man. All right, Sam. Is there anything anything you want to tell the people before we close this down? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, um, you know, just uh, if athletes are watching, you know, just stay focused. You know, just work work on your craft. You know, make the best of everything you do. Honestly, make the best of everything you do. You know, just Love worry about man. worry about you. Yeah, worry about you at the end of the day. Worry about you. Don't worry about nothing else. Worry about you. Mm. We love that, man. It, it, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. This has Appreciate been awesome. Please, please go kill it for us at UNO so we can get gotcha. you back on this podcast next year to talk about <laughs> how you need to get drafted in the first and which teams are going to be stupid for not taking you. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the rant. I'm writing the rants out. I've got the big board ready. The profile has already started. I'm getting my work in early. I am ready for this. Hmm. It's yes, been sir. absolutely awesome to have you on. Make sure to stay in touch, man. You, Definitely friend. awesome. Of to course, have you. always, always, always. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, hitting me. You know, reaching out to me. I appreciate it. Man. I really do. Of course, of course mm. man. Thank you for making the time for us. And to all the listeners, please keep liking, listening, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that. Follow us on the Instagram at Ball Talk Official. When we're tagging Simeon and everything, you'll be able to find all of his accounts. I'll tweet it out. You can find it wherever. It'll be all over our social media. Mm-hmm. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in a second with a little bit of uh, some basketball stuff that we haven't written yet because we're doing this a week before <laughs> it'll be posted. <laughs> All right. Hello. Welcome back. We just had a great interview with my good friend, Simeon Kirkland. It's, it was really awesome. Always good to reconnect with my old friends. I'm your host, John Sock. And as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. Chaz, I hope you're doing well today, my man. You know who it is. I'm all right, man. You know what I'm saying? It's it's been a little bit. The weather's been odd here in Montreal, but we get through it. We're we're hoping for some nicer, sunnier days this weekend. Hopefully, get some ball in because it's been a little too chilly to get my hands out. Got a lot of shots out the past couple of days. Yeah, just praying for some brighter futures, man. I'm I'm right there with you. Um, mm. we're staying uplifting. We're staying uplifting and excited. I'm I'm excited for the rest of this episode. I had, I had a lot of fun writing it, and I hope that we're about to have a lot of fun recording it, and I hope that the viewers are going to have a lot of fun listening to it. I want to talk about the playing games before they happen. It's important for me we do it before they happen because everyone knows I hate it when people move goals post after an event happens, okay? You can't say you only need to do this for a month and then after a month, but why didn't he do this too? I hate moving goalposts. We're going to set the goalposts today so it's very easy and everyone will know exactly what to look for when trying to decide if this play-in game was a success or not. Now, we talked a lot about the play-in game last episode. I, I want to look more at it. I, I want to talk about why it exists, what will make it a success or not, and also for the purpose of this discussion, we're going to imagine that every team will either be vaccinated or, or in some form of lockdown or, or something so they don't get it so we don't have any covid protocols because obviously if a superstar misses the game that would probably ruin their chances at winning a single elimination game let's jump in let's explain how this playing game works the seventh seed first game will be the seventh seed versus the eighth seed uh the winner gets winner of that game will get the seventh seed overall in the playoffs they'll be able to play the they'll be playing the second seed in the first round then the ninth seed will play the 10 seed the loser of that of the 7 and 8 game will play the winner of the 9 and 10 game and then the winner of that game will get the 8 seed and get to play the 1 seed in the first round of the playoffs. Hmm. Now there's a bunch of reasons for why the play-in game exists. No particular order to make up for the lost 10 games of the season. To add an exciting one game elimination format early in the playoffs where ratings were down. 
and to curb tanking, and ultimately, like everything else in an entertainment league, to make money. Uh, just as a reminder, this game was agreed to unanimously. Every team signed up. Every team agreed to it. Every single team signed on. Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks signed on. So they should not be complaining. You you had your chance to voice your complaints. You guys agreed to this. You don't get to get angry about it now that you guys will actually be in the game instead of just getting your split of the revenue from it. If they at least were a five seed, if they were just a five seed, it, it wouldn't have looked so weak sauce, but it, it really did. They complained that it cheapened the regular season work, but like, dude, you're the seven seed. You're, mm-hmm. you're not the one seed. Okay, you didn't have that good a regular season. Usually, in the e- if you were in the East, I'd assume you were below point five hundred. Like, mm-hmm. the seven seed isn't exactly elite. If if you lose two games in a row to lower seeds to be eliminated, you definitely weren't going to beat the one or the two seed four times anyways. So why are you fighting for this spot? I don't want you to have it anyways. If you're worried about losing twice in a row to right now, it actually be Memphis and Golden State. Those are two good teams, but they're not that good. They're not Utah and Phoenix. Yeah. No, I mean, for for Dallas to come out and they had a little bit of arguments, I guess it's because Luka's expected to do more this season than they thought he was going to have to do because the rest of that team has looked pretty bad around him for most of the season. They've been picking it up now, but for a seventh seed to come into it now and just be like, oh, now that we're going to be the seventh seed, this is something that disadvantages us. Let's complain about it. It's just a very soft move from a Dallas Mavericks organization that, you know what, just go out there and win the game. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's not that much more complicated. You're playing less regular season games anyway. Just go out and win two more games, and you'll be in the playoffs just like you normally would have. It's it's not a lot harder than it would have been to, from a seventh seed. If you didn't expect to win the playoffs, like you said, don't be complaining about having to play lower-seeded teams when you're going to have to play a higher-seeded team if you make the playoffs anyway. Agreed, and you're only two games above the Dallas, the, the Memphis Grizzlies right now, okay? It's not like you're like eight games above them and you're like, oh, we did so much better than them. Dude, like <laughs> one bad losing streak and you're going to be below them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very, very weak sauce, you know? Very, very weak sauce, in my opinion. It. Everyone knew you needed a six seed. Don't act like this is some 11th hour change. This is that same goalpost discussion we were having. I mentioned earlier. This is mm-hmm. moving the goalpost. Oh, no, no, no. You knew from the start you needed to be the sixth seed. Why are you angry that you're not the sixth seed? You knew it from the start. Maybe you shouldn't have rested Kristaps on so many back-to-backs during the season and tried to win some more games. Maybe you should have <laughs> built a better team. Um... <laughs> Moving on from that to actually talk about the game, we, we have two big questions to ask to decide if this game worked or not. Um, the first, well, I guess two questions to then figure out what we need to be looking at. So the first is what should we be looking at from a basketball standpoint to determine if this game was a success or not? And the second is to look at it purely from, to look at it like from the numbers st- perspective in terms of ratings and money and income brought in and look at it from that perspective. So those are the two perspectives we're going to be looking at. The first perspective we're going to look at, we're going to go, we're going to look through the basketball perspective first. We're going to look at the game purely from how it changes or improves or disproves or, or what's the opposite of disproves? Weakens? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said week too many times when I was calling the Mavericks weak sauce. Um, <laughs> weakens the NBA basketball product. 
And in my opinion, the first telltale sign that this game has been, from a basketball perspective, that this game has been working is if there is more or less tanking. Hmm. Now, despite the amount of blowout games we've seen this season, this is the most competitive NBA I've ever I've seen since I was a teenager. Other than OKC's blatant tanking, every team that has had even a small chance of making the playoffs is trying to make the playoffs. Pretty much every team except for Houston, OKC, Detroit, and the Orlando Magic is trying to win every single game, every single night this season. Even mm-hmm. the T-Wolves are trying when really no one would blame them for curling over and calling it a season. At the time of recording this, the Chicago Bulls are the 12th seed in the East, and they trade two first-round picks away in a win-now move to bring in Nikola Vucevic. They're the 12th seed. They're the 12th seed right now. The Sacramento Kings were getting offers with multiple first-round picks for for players like Harrison Barnes. They were offered, I think, they were offered seconds and stuff for guys like like Buddy Heald. They didn't trade anybody. They're the 12th seed in the West. Almost every team is trying to win every single night, and their organizations are behaving that way. It's not even enough that they're trying to win. Their organizations are trying to put out a winning product every single night. Mm-hmm. Mission accomplished. Yeah, I think the playing game has been great for this because a lot of it gives you to that basketball mentality of if we can just get to that 10th seed, then we got a couple guys on this roster that we believe can win us one or two games, and all of a sudden you're in the playoffs. And I think that mentality has, has transformed fired through a lot of the league and a lot of the low ranking teams and a lot of the players who just they don't want to go out there and just not play games to win guys go out there to compete at 100 percent every single night and now that reaching the playoffs or having an outside shot at them is a lot more attainable for a lot more teams you see a lot of guys leaving it all on the line every single night going out there playing a full 72 games if they can and it's going to be an exciting down the stretch here especially the last 10 15 games of the season to see how many teams really move in and out of these last couple spots. And then what it does moving forward for the league, I mean, I know this playing game is only supposed to be for this season right now. It's kind of an experiment, but I think, like you said, the the way that teams have been competing this season and the competitiveness of almost every single matchup you could tune into after the All-Star break shows that the NBA needs to advance with something like this or this playoff game in its current format for, for seasons to come, I think. I fully agree. I, I do think that there needs to be some tweaks, but I think this is a total win for the anti-tanking crew. I, I think we've never seen more teams that are going out trying to win every night. The, the Cleveland Cavaliers are trying to win every night. They're three games out of the, they're, they're three and a half games out of the, out of the 10 seed. No, they're four games out of the 10 seed right now. They're still trying to win. Mm-hmm. Every team is still trying to win. They know that they know that they're so close to winning. I, I think they should expand the lottery to 18 teams so that every team that's in the play-in is also in the lottery. Even if they make the playoffs, even if they go on a win streak to me, I just think that that would really encourage everyone to go for it. Mm-hmm. But even if they don't, the NBA is in a great place right now competitively. Uh, this is uh, such a competitive competitive league. We're talking about, oh, a 9-seed, a 10-seed could make a run. We're, that's mm-hmm. that's awesome. That is awesome from a basketball perspective, from a winning, yeah. from a competitive perspective. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And it's a complaint that a lot of the casual fan and a lot of the average sport fan would usually have with the NBA is that the the league is is rigged or it's more like you can already know what three, four, five teams are going to be in the finals every year. And I think what this this playoffs is really showing in this tenth seed is that 
at the top of the top, there are a few teams that are perennially there, but really throughout three through ten in most in both conferences at this point, it's kind of a toss up. Like there starts to be different striations and different levels, but at a certain degree, it's really every team is competing for home court advantage for just making the playoffs. You see competitive games every single night between all different seeds between conferences within conferences. So it's been a great season for the NBA in terms of just competitive product being put on the floor, and I think the playing game has a lot to do with that. Definitely. And it just adds another milestone to compete for, you know, mm-hmm. if obviously everyone competes for the one seed, everyone competes for the two and the three seed, everyone competes for the four seed because it's the last seed with home court advantage. Everyone competes for the six seed because it's the last seed that's not in the play in. Everyone's competing for the seven seed so they don't have to fight for the play in. It's mm-hmm. everyone competes for the eight seed to not get boot, not get booted. Everyone's fighting for the 10 seed to just make the play in. It just adds another level of, what you're competing for and it makes teams want to fight more mm-hmm. that, that puts out a better product every night i i believe from what and, i've and, seen so far and one more thing it also opens up the opportunity for a lot of teams and coaches maybe to talk about some new records or the the first 10 seed to make it all the way to the conference finals or, <laughs> you know what i'm saying there's going to be a lot of opportunities for guys to to carve themselves a new little path the new little maybe colin sexton and darius garland cement themselves with the sex line backcourt that went from 10th to the the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, so there's going to be a lot of interesting things I think that come out of this playing game that get a lot of guys motivated to make the games itself too a lot really exciting. Fully agreed. The the next thing I would be judging the playing on is the actual results. Once again, we're still in the basketball only perspective. We're not looking at from a numbers from the metrics standpoint, the the metrics of money standpoint. I want to know the actual results. I'm looking to see if any seeds actually move up or down. And if those seeds win at least, say, two games in round one. Hmm. If we get the seven, same seven and eight seed in both of the, in all the games, and they all of them lose in five, I think people are going to call this game a total failure. Now, I don't agree with that because we just talked about tanking mm-hmm. and all the good this has done for anti-tanking. But I get where they would be coming from. And the fear would be, you know, oh, do I really want to be the nine seed that gets booted? Mm-hmm. Do I want to throw my play-in game as a, as an eight seed so that I don't go into, so that I can have better lottery odds? I, I, that's why I propose the lottery change. So I don't, like, agree with it, but I, I get where you'd be coming from saying that if nothing actually changed from this game, then it would be a failure. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I just think it would be honestly pretty rare at this point to see the 7 and 8 both go through and then get knocked out. It's If it were to happen, I think at, the, at a certain degree, you got to just say, well, like this is what the playoffs is supposed to be, right? At the end of the day, like this is what the playoffs would have originally been. And I don't think there's anything wrong with giving a couple teams one or two extra games for a shot to make the playoffs the most competitive they could be. Like Even if the 7 and 8 went out, at least the 9 and 10 got a shot to see like, okay, the 7 and 8 are a little bit more tested, a little bit more proven going into the playoffs than they would normally have been. And if if people are to call it a failure, if both teams end up losing their lottery odds because you go from 10 to this 8 seed and then you end up getting swept in the first round, I think you you got to value the playoff experience that your players are going to get. I think you look at the other benefits of making a little bit of a run, see what your team could build off of it, and how players are more willing to want to go to a team that's going to compete and come out of the playing game and make it into the playoffs than teams that are just going to want to drop out in an effort to try to save a half a percentage on their lottery odds. <laughs> 
I, I can tell you, I can tell you right now, if uh, if a seven seed has a really good uh, first round, I'm gonna tell you that it was because they were battle tested by the playing game, <laughs> or something like that. I, I I figure the lowest bar for not being able to say that it was a loss. That you cannot argue that it was a, the playing game was a loss would be either that the eight seed takes the seven seed, absolute lowest. Say eight and seven switch, eight seed becomes the seven seed, seven seed becomes the eight seed. So mm-hmm. if we were in the West, that would be Dallas is the eight seed, Grizzlies are the seven seed, or in the East it would be Heat are the eight seed, Hornets are the seven seed. Those would be some really good eight seeds. <laughs> um, or. Maybe the a nine seed or a ten seed, one of the low seeds, takes the eight seed, and the seven seed wins round one or goes to seven in a really crazy, crazy series. Mm. I I think that would be enough for people to call the playing game a win. Uh, I figure if it's just a seven eight make it and they both get beat up, people are gonna call it a waste of time. And I really hope they don't. But mm-hmm. I could see that happening, and I don't want it to. Yeah, I, I hope people just give it a chance, even if it does end up looking like it wasn't that successful this season. I think that we're definitely going to see some excitement. And if anything, even if it does end up being 7-8 and they both get swept in the first round, which realistically is not going to happen, we're going to get a competitive single elimination game. And I think that game in and of itself is going to be very entertaining for basketball fans. And from a purely basketball perspective, you're going to want to go out and see some of the superstars of the league try to put their team on their back. Like, I don't know, one game left. Is Steph Curry just going to put up 25 threes in that game? Because that's your best way to score points. Like, is my is Bam Adebayo just going to tap in the paint and block every single shot going to the rim and play 48 minutes a night if the Heat are stuck in a playing game? Like, there's a lot of things that I think could come out of it that's going to make the game itself so exciting. I'm really excited to see the strategizing, whether you play your guys, your best guys, 46 minutes or or not because it is you know win or go home but it's also you have one more game <laughs> you want to play 46 minutes to get swept in to go play as a seven seed mm. i'm excited to see it I'm, I'm really excited to see how the play calling goes for that stuff mm-hmm. now I, unless you have a basket another basketball metric you could come up with to judge by i couldn't think of any others just keep it moving all right let's talk about some money metrics then uh the second question is, what should we be looking at numbers, money numbers-wise to determine if this game was a success or not? This is to look at the game from more of a monetary standpoint. The first number I want us to keep an eye on is viewership of the play-in game. Very obvious. Very obvious. Last year's play-in game got 2 million viewers on ABC, which was considered a success, a strong success. This year we have great success. This year we have three play-in games. So I don't think we can look at the number one numbers one to one. I, I do imagine that the NBA will say we got more viewers this year than we did last year on the playing game. Um, yeah, but you'd have to have at least, in my opinion, say it's what one game got you two million viewers. Let's say both of the first games get you one and a half, and then the last one gets you one and a half. I, I'm willing to say that as long as you get at least four million viewers. Combined between the three games, your numbers are the same, in my opinion. You know? It's not Mm. quite... I might be giving too much leeway in that. I might be... A a single-game elimination was just really exciting. I I think that that is just going to always pull in a little bit of extra viewership. Mm -hmm. I I think that the four... I I think four million is a fair number to look at. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be three playing games per conference. So you're looking at maybe up something like four to, to eight million views viewers between the, the two different conferences. And I think the NBA is really going to benefit from having this kind of winner go home that we haven't seen in the NBA in a long time. The NFL is really the only place where you see that. And I guess the baseball wild cards where you could see that one game every given Sunday mentality. And so the way that's going to play out in the NBA, especially for a, a nine seed versus an eight seed competing for that last spot or a, a 10 seed versus a seven seed competing for the lot for the eight seed in a playing game. I think those games are really going to get a lot of viewership for the NBA and it's going to ex- be an exciting point as long as they can get it really, in my opinion, at least one and a half million viewers for pretty much every game like on average throughout the games they should be successful and they're going to make enough money off of it so i think it's also going to lead as a precursor for more people to watch just first round basketball that's actually okay that does lead me into my next point but i just wanted to point out i did totally forget about the second set of playing games happening in the (laughs) other conference so yeah my four million number becomes eight million um you should be able to get eight million between the six basketball games i Mm -hmm. hope I know the NBA ratings are dying, but I hope you can get 8 million in six games. The more interesting number to me will be if the playing game brings more viewership into round one. NBA ratings have been going down for around 10 years now. Uh, Ethan Strauss was on a bunch of podcasts um, talking about how the NBA has lost about half of their viewership in the last 10 years, half of their audience. So there is... A drop percentage that is to be expected from last year to this year. I wasn't going to sit there with 100 spreadsheets trying to figure out what that number is. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't have my PhD. I'm in the middle of finals. I don't have the time right now. I could not sit there with the numbers. I couldn't even find them. I actually did look around a lot. It's not mm. as easy as you'd imagine to find those numbers. They're not just tracked right there, then and there, easily. They show you mm-hmm. the finals numbers, but it's hard to find. First round, game one. <laughs> Harder than you think, but I bet you someone can do it. If someone can find those numbers, send them to me. I will do the math. I will do the math for you. There's a drop percentage that's to be expected. If that drop is less or even better, if there's an actual growth in NBA ratings in the first round, that should play into how we view the play-in game. Hmm. 100% if ratings are up or at least not down as much as usual this year, round one, play-in game's a success, period. Pack it up. Pack it up. Go home. We're doing this every year. Yeah. And I think one of the, the big factors that could draw a lot of viewership for the NBA with this play on game is the, the idea of Cinderella stories that we love in March Madness that we love to see is now you can have teams that you can have the casual fan sort of fall in love with. Oh, wow. I watched this nine seed, this 10 seed win a one game elimination and then win another one to make the first round. And, and oh, wow, they pulled an Orlando Magic and they won the first game of the series. <laughs> so now they're in a real driver's seat and you're getting people tuning in for games two and three and four series. And I think this is the playing game's got a lot of potential for a lot more viewership throughout the playoffs. And if the NBA could sustain big numbers throughout their entire playoffs, they're going to be living and loving the amount of viewership given off this playing game and i think adam silver is going to be doing more and maybe maybe we get uh 12 down into the playing game and make a whole new tournament based <laughs> oh into it. i was thinking about that how, how how deep you can go without cheapening it you mentioned cinderella stories and i just wanted to give a shout out to my dad right here we might get our own oral roberts moment in the nba playoffs and my dad <laughs> would love that as long as we get a prayer circle my dad is in um, <laughs> Yeah, I, ah, that's maybe a question for another podcast, how deep you can go without cheapening it. I really think 10 is already pushing it. 
I really think 10 has already pushed it to the point where I'm like, this is kind of on the fence for what is okay. I think we could see if maybe in a next year's playing game, it only being to nine. In my opinion, I think that wouldn't be the worst idea. I think that that's something we should look at after the season, after we can look at the numbers. But discuss it when we got to discuss it. Right now, we're chilling. Hey, there's... A lot. A, there's mm-hmm. no? I was just going to say, there's a lot of playoff reforms we could talk about if we want to get real crazy. Just... We want to get real crazy. <laughs> we're going to do a round of 64. We're going to bring in... We're going to bring in 32 Euro teams. <laughs> I want the winners of the Euro League and the G League playoff teams all in the NBA playoffs. We're going to make four G League Ignite teams with all the high school kids. And we're going to get the overtime league in. And Carmel went that he's going to be on one of the teams. Mm. But they're going to play rock, paper, scissors for it. Let's <laughs> just see how crazy we can get. Um, We're going to get the McDonald's All-Americans here. The AP All-Pro first and second team. And Ronald McDonald will be on the court too. And we're going to put them all in SpongeBob jerseys. And it'll be hosted by Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart. <laughs> That's a great place to close that. <laughs> the last question I want to ask is an actual opinion question, Chaz. I got to know your opinion on this. Does the NBA's playing game make the regular season more or less exciting? Not the product on the floor. The actual playing game concept. I think the playing game makes it better. I just the ability for teams to be able to make the playoffs from further away than they thought they were going to be able to in the past and to be competitive later on into their seasons than normally would be expected to, I think has led to just great basketball. And the fact that the playing game is pushing teams just means that it's a good decision. In my opinion, I personally, you asked me a few weeks ago, I would have told you, I don't like it. I would have told you it's not great. I would have told you it's, it's cheapening the playoffs. I would have told you it's a waste of time. The tendencies are going to get bumped. I, and I hate and so much. I probably would have found some way to dish on the Pelicans. You know me. I, I, I can't t- turn down an opportunity. I need to work on that. But it's a lot more exciting now that the East is making such a battle for the 10 seed. Mm. And the West has such a battle for the 6 seed going on too. It, it, it's adding a lot of spice. This is what I was talking about earlier when I was saying there's different bars for what people are like competing for now. It adds mm. another bar. Because if you look in the East right now, the battle for the top three is completely boring. Mm-hmm. The battle for the four seed is there. There's a battle for the four seed. Doesn't feel particularly bloodthirsty, I'm going to be honest. You've got the Knicks on an eight-game winning streak, and that's about it. Everyone else, it's like, well, they might get it. They might. Not. No one's particularly freaking out about that. The fight for the six seed in the East is real. The fight to mm. not fall below Miami is real. And the fight for the ten seed is bloodthirsty. These teams are coming out fighting for it. In the West, that six-seed fight, the fight for the Lakers not to fall to it, the fight for the Mavericks to get into it, mm. it's real. There's a fight there. Yeah. And when you sit there, and you, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like checking to see, oh, no, I hope the Dallas Mavericks don't win this next game because I don't want my Lakers to fall down. I say as the Lakers are down 11 at halftime, please don't lose. Um, <laughs> they're going to lose. I know they are. It's fine. I've come to terms with it. AD's back, though. AD's back, though, and thank God for that. Thank God for that. Um, mm. Yeah. But it, it, it's added a whole new kicker to it. This is it, it, People are talking about a mid-season tournament might spice it up. I think we just need to work on forming better, on talking about the narratives better. Mm. 
I think that this is square. The fact that this isn't more exciting is squarely on NBA media. This yeah. is super exciting for anyone who is actually like a really big basketball fan and is sitting there watching every game. Mm-hmm. The fight for the six seed is real. The fight for the ten seed is. There's lots of stories. There's Battle. lots of stories, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. this is a story-driven league. This is a, a, a league, unlike the NFL, where there's one game a week, so everyone can watch it and tell the stories. This is the NBA. Mm-hmm. This is the NBA. We don't have that luxury. We have about a thir- We have four games a week. We're averaging three and three point seven games a week for every team for the rest of the season from the start of the second half to now. We're averaging three point seven games a week. No one's watching every game. No one is watching every game. You can't write your own stories. They need the NBA media to come and write stories for the games that you're missing because no one is watching every game. It's on the NBA media for not hyping us up more. It's on the it's on ESPN and ABC for not picking up more games that are battles for the 10 seed, battles for the last play-in spot. You know, put mm-hmm. some gold on it, make it a bigger deal. Make yeah, it a bigger I, deal. And I think even within the you mentioned the different bars of, for competition, I think even within that like 7 8 9 10 and just that competition like the 4 through 6 is a competitive, the 7 through 10 is competitive, and just that battle for seeding for the play-in games, I mean that home in a way, maybe not this year, maybe even for some for some teams even more than usual this year, to be able to have the little bit of fans in your crowd can make such a huge difference, especially in a playoff atmosphere. And, you know, they're going to be giving everybody the T-shirts and everything. It's going to be a, a big difference, and I think it's going to cause a lot of teams down the stretch, you know, where some team would, would rather mind the six or the seven. doesn't really matter. Either way, we're going to have to play a top team in the playoffs. It's like, no, now that's a major difference between you. The seven and the eight, it's not just whether you're playing the one or the two. It's whether you have an away game or you have a home game to try to clinch a playoff berth. There's a lot of things that go into this, this play-in tournament that teams aren't necessarily getting credit for having to fight for because there's a lot of spots that no, nothing's given up for grabs in the NBA. Teams are going out there and taking it every night. And it's been crazy competitive for every single spot. I've been loving to watch the race. Just the 7 through 10 in the Western Conference has been flip-flopping for the last two weeks so much. It's crazy to watch. And the, the 10 seed, I mean, the Eastern Conference has been tied for the last two weeks, too. It's it's heating up at the end of the season. It's heating up. That 6 seed is so valuable. I feel, I mm-hmm. feel like we, we should talk about it. We're going to talk about it. I don't have any notes. That 6 seed is so valuable. Getting that 60 not only means you don't have to play in the play-in game, not only means you are clinched, you know mm. where you're going, you don't have to fight for that. Not only do you skin snake by by sl- skid by by the skin of your teeth. Mm. That's not the expression. It's close enough to it. You also have extra time to scout for that mm. three seed game. You have more time to get ready for that three seed game. You don't have to go against one of the two best teams in your in your um, conference. You got more time to scout because there's going to be what I think two days for this. Uh, for this, I mean, it depends if we're in a bubble or not. Obviously, but I think for the playing, it's gonna they're gonna drag it out at least three four days. It's at least gonna be three games in each conference. I... No way, it's gonna be more than three days. Actually, yeah, for both conferences, I forget about that. I don't know why that has been so hard for my brain to grasp the concept that there will be two conferences. But still, I figure at most we're looking at four at four days, which is four mm. more days to get ready for your three seed matchup, and that's usually a winnable series. The yep. six can beat the three. This isn't a one versus eight. 
two versus seven, where if it's a blow, where if it's like, oh my goodness, upset. Like, this isn't Virginia UMBC we're looking at, okay? Shout this is Jeff. like, this is like, I don't know, this is like when UCLA beat BYU. It's like, oh, we're an 11 CBB <laughs> seven. You know, it's not a huge deal. It's big, but it's not like, whoa. So, mm -hmm. it's there. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see if the six seeds come out swinging a little harder this year because of that. Because yes. they have more time. And especially in a season like this year where there's been so many injury issues and there's been so many protocols, just to have those couple extra days where you don't actually have to go into games where you're not prepping to go play one team and then another team the day after where you can sit down, relax, go through your sets, make sure everything's proper with you guys and your team offensively, defensively, you get extra film. It's going to be crucial. That six seed is going to be a... If the Lakers can lock that up, I know LeBron's going to be thrilled to have the extra scouting time and get even more ready for that uh, eventual Clippers matchup in the first round. Hey, hey, they're still up. Uh, they've still got a good amount of distance between them and Portland and Dallas right now, although this loss will not help them at all. <laughs> Montrez Harrell, please save us. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's not... all for today. Thank you to all the listeners for liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Ball Talk Official. And uh, as always, thank you for turning for tuning into Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. 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 Baby.